Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Nathan Chan, and we're going to explore how to build a business using expert interviews. I think you're going to find it absolutely fascinating because Nathan uses a very similar process that I used to build Social Media Examiner. And if you are a podcaster or are thinking about getting into interviewing experts in any kind of capacity and are wondering how you could build a multi-million dollar business by doing this, then this podcast is for you. By the way, be sure to email me, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now let's transition over to episode three of our ongoing audio documentary. In 2016, the CEO of Social Media Examiner, Michael Stelzner, took the stage with an unusual plan. He'd set up a private session at the company's big annual event, Social Media Marketing World, in order to tell aspiring speakers exactly how to land a talk at next year's conference. This is crazy. No event organizer does that, but Michael did. I guarantee you that some of you in this room will be on our stage next year. Give a round of applause to whoever that is. And although there were over a hundred individuals in the room, the entire time he was speaking, Michael was thinking about one guy. This is his story. I knew that the only way anything would happen, a speaking gig, an opportunity to create content for a brand, it was about the work that I put in. That's Sean Ayala. We pick up his story back in 2013, before he was on Snapchat, before he was on the mind of Michael Stelzner as a potential speaker, and right as Sean was figuring out his calling. I wanted to teach people about social media because currently I'm in marketing for Best Buy. I lead a marketing strategy here and a creative team. And the things that we do here, I thought, hey, maybe I can kind of intertwine them into what I could teach on a podcast. He researched podcasts to see how he stacked up against the competition. And at the time, you know, that space, at least for me, I thought was really crowded and I couldn't break through. I didn't know what to do. Uh, But 2014, I came across Tyler Anderson, John Lee Dumas, Michael Stelzner, and I was listening to their podcasts. And Social Media Marketing World 2014 was introduced. I just wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to meet these people to just figure out what was the next step. 
At the event, he met all of those favorite podcasters of his, and he realized, there's no way I want to compete with those guys. But he still felt inspired, and he knew he wanted to build some kind of digital project. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I wanted to figure out something. Then, in 2015... I enjoyed social media marketing world so much, I had to attend a second time, and at that time I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. But he left the conference fired up, and so he continued to look for areas of less competition and areas of interest in the social space. And it was then that he heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk on his YouTube channel about Snapchat. If you want to reach a 15 to 25-year-old in America and you don't realize that Snapchat has a disproportionate amount of the attention as a platform of that consumer, well, then you're just not paying attention. That changed the way I looked at Snapchat and I was all in. Few Snapchatters would be harder to profile in an audio story like this one than Sean. Because Sean's work is so visually amazing. It's intricate drawings of Sean with an Iron Man helmet, or near-identical versions of Homer Simpson and Fred Flintstone, and fun interactive games, ranging from Pac-Man and Donkey Kong to Finding Dory and Ghostbusters. All created using an app where most of us can barely write a single word without looking like a first grader. I was creating content on Snapchat in a way that I felt I wish others were doing. So I created content that I wanted to see. And he thought... All right, that's my ticket to the stage. He doubled down on Snapchat, and he had one goal in mind. Add more value. But how? I wanted to just create content that took people out of their mundane, everyday boredom. And I remember as a kid, I always wanted to be an animator. Today in my corporate life, right, I don't get that opportunity to draw like I used to. So he thought, well, I can document what I'm learning on Snapchat over on my blog. And just by doing that one thing, he started adding way more value to the world. The word started to spread about the content I was creating both on the blog and through Snapchat, which then opened up many different opportunities. Sean had mastered Snapchat, and he loved to use it and to teach through it and create stronger relationships with the right people. One of the most powerful and yet simple things that Sean started to do was to hop on to Michael Stelzner's morning social media marketing talk show, which broadcasts through Facebook Live. Welcome to the morning social media marketing talk show, a social media examiner production. We are super excited that you are joining us this morning. And it was there that he would contribute in the comments. And whenever he talked about Snapchat, I tried to get in there to give my two cents about the topic. And as Sean would later explain at the request of Michael Stelzner to those aspiring social media marketing world speakers. I blogged about Snapchat and everything that came out about it. I created a tutorial on how to use Snapchat for beginners. And then I started to get on podcasts like Tyler Anderson's podcast. Sean is someone who is a diamond in the rough, we think, okay? And he's more than a diamond in the rough. He's done it. I tried my best to just get involved within the social media examiner community. And I 
I think that started leading to the opportunity to sit on a panel at Social Media Marketing World 2016 alongside Snapchat influencer Sean McBride. But the question remains, how do you become an exceptional standout candidate to speak at a big event? One of the benefits of Social Media Examiner is when we find someone who's amazing, we lift them up, we shine the spotlight on them, and we help them be the world's leading authority. So it's an incredible opportunity. Here's the punchline. Sean liked the idea of speaking, but he loved his craft. The common thread is adding as much value to the community as possible to not be selfish, not be afraid to give away what you learn for free. He obsessed over creating moments of surprise and delight on Snapchat with his followers, and he totally geeked out over sharing what he was learning onto his blog, on Michael's morning show, you name it. In other words, he made the process the point, not the end result. And when you make the process the point, often you get better end results. I wasn't even paying attention to just what was happening. I just really enjoyed creating content on the platform to just keep going. That is why Michael had Sean in his mind in front of a hundred aspiring speakers. But don't take it from me. Just ask Social Media Marketing World 2017 speaker, Sean Ayala. Me always wanting to add value to the community, I think was really the key to it all. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now let's transition over to my expert interview with Nathan Chan. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. This week, I'm excited to be joined by Nathan Chan. If you don't know who Nathan is, he's the founder, CEO, and publisher of Founder Magazine, a paid digital magazine that profiles well-known entrepreneurs. And for those of you that want to know how to spell it, he spells it F-O-U-N-D-R. He has built a monster big following with almost 1 million Instagram fans and 300,000 email subscribers. He's also author of a brand new book called Founder 1.0. Everything you need to know about starting and building a successful business from the world's most influential entrepreneurs Nathan, welcome back to the show. 
Thank you so much for the kind introduction and uh, having me again, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And today, Nathan and I are going to explore how he built a relatively new business in the grand scheme of things with expert interviews. And it's my hope that everyone that listens will understand the value of what Nathan has done and will say to themselves, you know what, I might be able to do this for my business or for the business that I work for. So Nathan, how, how did you start this business and where'd you come up with the crazy idea of starting a magazine called Founder without any, <laughs> tell me the story. <laughs> yeah. So I started Founder March uh, 2013. So three and a half years ago, getting close to four. Um, and I started from my bedroom, my parents' bedroom, uh, with about 3000 US dollars and, uh, we're hundred percent bootstrapped still to this day. I'm the only owner of the company and, I started it because I identified that there wasn't really a magazine in the space that spoke to aspiring, novice stage, young, early stage startup founders and entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, I felt that, you know, a lot of the big business magazines, you know, while I I still love them and I'm a a big fan myself, I felt that, that sometimes they were difficult to relate to, like, you know, the Forbes 100 billionaire list and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, I knew podcasts were hot, and they're, they're even hotter now. Um, and I knew that just going deep and uh, telling stories um, of of people that you could relate to, but also going deep on you know what it takes to truly build and grow a successful business or become a successful entrepreneur was something that was growing. And also twofold, uh, I was myself working in a day job that I absolutely utterly hated. I was working in IT support at a travel company. Love the company, amazing culture, learned a lot about building a great culture. Um, they were once a startup 20 years ago, and uh, one of the, the, the founder and CEO is, is one of my great mentors. But um, just really, the work that I was doing wasn't for me. So I was, I was searching for finding work that fulfilled me. So with a combination of those two things, I, I started the magazine. How old were um, you, by which, the way, when you, when you first you know, decided to start this venture? So I turned 30 next week. I'm a little older than you might think. Uh, so I turned 30 next week, and I guess I was 26 when I started the venture. So how did you decide to come up with the name? Love the question. Uh, bit of a backstory. I'll keep it as tight as possible. Long story short, the magazine wasn't called Founder when I first started. We were actually sued for trademark infringement uh, by one of the biggest business magazines in the state. So sued for trademark infringement, first four months in, uh, the magazine was called something else and I had to rebirth it. Um, we, we've got a really good shipping schedule. So you know, in the middle of every month, you get a monthly magazine during that lawsuit there was a six-week gap, not a four-week gap, but we made it back for our subscribers where we gave two issues in one month. So long story short, I had to rebirth the brand. Lucky it was early days, and uh, it was a, it's a way better brand, way better name. It was actually multiple words, not one word. Mm. And um, was it, I, did, I never was – it, Was it by, – by giving it a unique spelling, was that is that kind of a more of a – uh, desire to not want to infringe on any trademarks or was it more 100%. like it was it also kind of hey I need to get some domain names here that are unique and that was a unique spelling 100% I never wanted to be in that position again and I thought that the name was kind of cool and tech and at that time I identified um, you know 
you know, these startups, they, they all have one word, you know, in the right. branding, like Airbnb, Uber, Dropbox, Facebook, Twitter. And I just thought one word would be a better fit. So for us, and um, yeah, that's kind of what happened. So that's why I did it with that spelling. There isn't actually a brand out there with the, with the word, with the correct spelling founder, you know, founder or founder.com with the correct spelling. But um, that's all locked up by all sorts of other people. I don't know what they do, but um, yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing opportunity that we have right now. If you think about it, Mike, because you know the word founder is such a a common word uh, that that sits with so many people that run startups or businesses that we have an opportunity to build a household name brand that people know and recognize. Um, whether you're just starting a business or wherever you are in, in your entrepreneurial journey. So, yeah, it's a pretty incredible name. We got kind of lucky, I think, and Very we cool. just acquired the founder.com domain. Excellent. Talk to me about how you guys actually make money. What is your business model? Sure thing. So we have a few different subscriptions. We have the magazine subscription, $2.99 a month or $21.99 a year, and that's on the App Store and Google Play Store for mobile and tablet devices. And we have 20,000 monthly readers uh, across you know, the monthly and the yearly. And then we also have a membership site, which is something that we're going to go really deep on next year. And that's, you know, anywhere between 40, 50 bucks a month. Uh, and that's, you know, where we house a lot of premium content, connect the community and do all sorts of exclusive training. Then we also have a series of courses as well. So there, there are three main forms of revenue generation, and we also do a little bit of sponsorship and advertising. And uh, inside, yeah, inside the magazine, kind of, you'll see ads. Is that right? Uh, yes, not that often, but uh, whether it's via advertorials, podcasts, a little bit of podcast sponsorship, but yeah, combination of both. Also, you know, some Instagram posts, bits and pieces. Yeah, excellent. Now. Your core of your content really is built on you interviewing people that are successful. Is that correct? 100%. So, folks, Nathan has built a really successful business by interviewing people that are already successful and drawing people to him that want to learn from those people that are already successful. And uh, for the record... That's exactly what I did with Social Media Examiner, which a lot of people may not realize. And that's actually what I do with this podcast every single week as well. So what I want to do is help everyone who's listening understand the power of interviews. Well, first of all, the power should be self-evident because Nathan is very successful. Social Media Examiner is also very successful. So the real question I want to zoom in on is actually the, the art and craft of doing these kinds of interviews and how to get the gold. So this is something that Nathan is very good at. I have been on the receiving end of his interviews. And um, I want to just kind of dig into that process. But before I do, tell me who are some of the people that you have interviewed just so that people might recognize some of the more recognizable names. Yeah, sure thing. We've we've been yeah very humbled and blessed to interview all sorts of super super successful entrepreneurs. You might know their name, or you might just know their brand. So there's Richard Branson, founder of Virgin, uh, Steve Case, the founder of AOL, Ariana Huffington, founder of Huffington Post, Gary V, Barbara Corcoran, Tim Ferriss, Robert Herjavec, Jessica Livingston, founder of Y Combinator. List goes on. Excellent. So. 
obviously these are very high profile people and not everyone can secure an interview with these kind of people. Let's, um, before we get into maybe how you secured the interview, I want to get more into the craft. How do you get ready for these interviews? I mean, when you get a chance to interview one of these high profile people, I would imagine you've got to do a lot of prep work. So talk to me a little bit about how you get ready for these interviews. What is your prep process? Yeah, sure thing. Look, with full transparency, Mike, uh, more than ever, I do the least amount of prep work, <laughs> embarrassingly, because I think the best interviews now are the ones that come from natural, genuine curiosity. And if you don't know the answer, uh, you're more likely to ask the things that you try and put yourself in the listener's perspective. But I always just well, do well, hold on. Let me, let, me pa- let me pause you there for a second. Even though you're not, quote unquote, preparing for the interviews, you must be you must be either a fan of these people or familiar with their work prior to the interview, I'm guessing. 100%, yeah, 100%. So there 100%. is there is things that you're watching and that you know about them in, pre- in, in getting ready for these interviews. It's not like, um, hi, who are you, Robert Hersevich or whatever? What's, <laughs> what's the name of your show? I mean, that would be really bad, right? So Yeah, so, 100%. So in some regards, you are becoming a student of them. How are you doing that? Let's talk about that. How are you even deciding who you want to get on? Because there is, you might not call it prep work, but there is work that you're doing to get to know these people before you decide to recruit them, right? Yeah, 100%. So I consume a lot of content, um, whether that's, you know, one of the best ways I find to consume content is via Facebook, really. Um, you know, uh, I like reading what's happening in TechCrunch or Mashable. I also like to follow what other podcasts are doing and who they're interviewing. And I also um, keep my ear to the ground on who's got a book coming out or who's got something coming out or who needs press. Uh, that's, they're, they're the big pieces and because I am quite obsessed with this space, um, I just know the who's who in the zoo and I have a list and I'm always reading and researching and watching or listening to, uh, to those people's interviews or, or reading about the brand. And, and I guess if I, if I haven't heard them do an interview before, which I always make sure if I do do any of these interviews, the prep work is I always try and listen to at least one interview that they've done and I, um, don't always take notes, but I just make a lot of mental notes around, you know, what they've achieved or in particular that I might not know about. And I always look at Wikipedia. I think Wikipedia is just a great cliff note. It's the cliff notes of, of someone's, you know, uh, the background of their, the business and also them as a founder. Um, so with Wikipedia, uh, listing it to at least one interview and then just, I guess, Googling um, and, you know, spending no more than half an hour to an hour just really understanding what they've done, what they've accomplished and uh, what might be interesting or what the angle is that I'm going to go for, um, that's where I kind of take it. Like, for example, when I interviewed you, Mike, I obviously knew who you were. I know Social Media Examiner really, really well. But um, I actually you know, spoke to one of my friends, um, Sean D'Souza. I'm not sure if you remember yeah, him or not. Yeah, of course I remember him, an yeah. amazing illustrator. Yeah, really cool guy. And I said, yeah, I'm speaking to, to Mike Stells now, just had a conversation. And he's like, oh, you know, uh, I said, it's going to be really, really interesting to hear his background and where he came from because I know he talks a lot about social media strategy, but I'm really keen to know about business building, building an, ex- an extremely successful media company. And he shared with me some things that, you know, he would like me to ask. So it's kind of, you know, a combination. But yeah, that's kind of the prep work that I do. Not as much as you would think. 
Do you have a certain line of questions that you ask most of your guests or are you, I mean, how do you, what kinds of questions generally do you ask? Obviously, let me, before you answer it, acknowledge that we know that the people that read your magazine are people that are interested in founding or that are already founders. So how does that inform your line of questions? Um, yeah, look, I think, you know, our, our, our core strongest piece of our audience is someone that's just launched a business or just about to. And <clears throat> there are some common questions that I always ask. The first one that I always ask, which I think is the most funnest, and it always throws people off, and I love to do that, um, is I ask, how did you get your job? Hmm. Because I think that just sets a scene because every single one of the people that I speak to, I guess they've worked very, very hard to make their own job. And it's always interesting and fascinating to see their reaction or response or not understand what I'm asking um, just because of, of the position they're in. So that's one. That's my favorite question, just to open up the scene. Some people laugh. Some people are like, what? Sorry, what? My job? Are you serious? You know, like, so, so it's really interesting. That's that's always my go-to to start things off and really set the scene. Um, always at the end, I always ask to make sure that they share at least three actionable pieces of advice that they that people can learn from their journey. But then the rest is, a, a, you know, just a clean canvas and just see, you know, where where the conversation takes us. And and I, it really is just a conversation of of two people just talking shop. And um, you know, I'm asking questions as well selfishly that I want to know. But it's it's mainly around growth, business building, uh, starting. Not not so much a little bit about starting, but yeah, mainly around growth and business building. Who was your first high profile person that you interviewed? Richard Branson, but it was only over an email interview. So, how did you actually even get him to agree to do it? So that I got that interview the first four months in. So literally just before we got sued. Um, I locked down that interview with Richard Branson and, and that went out for issue number eight. But what was that? What was the secret? Like, how did he say yes? Or does he say yes to, to anyone if you know how to do it? I mean, I'm just curious, not because I want everyone to go reach out to Richard Branson, but because there's a lot of people that want to go after a high profile person. They're not sure what maybe they should do. Yeah, sure thing. So um, the first things first is... I think having a magazine is a great authority builder. Um, it's a great way to have social proof that people will take you seriously, even if you only have a hundred readers, which is, you know, we didn't have many at the time. And the next piece of the puzzle is finding the gatekeeper. You have to find either it's th that person's assistant, whether it's that person's PR person uh, internally at their company, or whether it's a PR agency that is being paid thousands of dollars to represent them and go out and get them press. So the so the PR agency, obviously, you know, all of those, you know, sides of the table, you want to make that person look good. Um, so that's the first piece of the puzzle is, is finding that gatekeeper. Now, there's um, many tools that you can use to find the gatekeeper. Uh, you know, there's a great tool called emailhunter.co, which we use. You can use LinkedIn. You can easily right now, if you go to Google, you can type in head of PR for Virgin LinkedIn in Google and you'll find that person that you need to speak to. Done. Mm -hmm. Boom. Wow. So that's the gatekeeper. Um, and then you need to do whatever you can. You can find out their details. You know, that's that's very public knowledge. There's a great little tool called Clearbit, which is a 
uh, Gmail plugin, which often has, if you can't get it on emailhunter.co, you can use Clearbit. And then also you can, with Clearbit or Email Hunter, you can work out the syntax of the email address. So it might be first first letter of your name, surname, and then at virgin.com. Or it might be full name at virgin.com. Or it might be, yeah. Ah, so, there's so, you all can actually, so you can actually use that tool to kind of discern what you think that person's email address is. And, 100%. And then send them a message and it works. <laughs> 100%. And then... What you want to do, if you can, depending is on you know your, if you get a response, is try and get on the phone. So that's what I did to get the interview with Richard Branson. I would have never got it if I just kept following up over email, Michael. Hmm. It was calling and leaving a lot of voicemails. Eventually to the point, I'll never forget, I was uh, at the time um, – you know, living, living with a housemate, and uh, I, I said to him, just hey, look, can you guys please be quiet? And I went to my room and I said, I'm going to call Richard, uh, Richard Branson's team. I'm going to try and get an interview. And I, I was calling so many times. Just finally got on in touch with her, and uh, she said, you've got two minutes. I'm just about to jump onto the tube. And uh, look, I said, you know, I was stumbling. I was nervous. I was all over the place, man. And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, she said to me, look, please understand, you know, I pitched her and she said, please understand, uh, we get the asked this question, you know, at least 10 times a day. Um, and I said, she's like, how, how long have you guys been around? And I said, four months. And she's like, wow, you guys are so new. And she's like, look, I'll tell you what, shoot me an email. Um, I promise uh, it, it might take me a while to get back to you, but I promise I'll get back to you. And once I jumped off the phone, I thought it was never going to happen, man, and I felt so down and, and terrible about it all. And um, I sent a really good email, and I played on the fact that his first business venture was a student magazine, and also I played on the fact that we're producing a magazine targeting young, aspiring, and novice stage entrepreneurs and startup founders, which, you know, I know that Virgin want to do a lot to to uh, help the the next leaders of of, of tomorrow. So. You know that that last piece. I get what it was. What I'm trying to get to is it. I tried to communicate a mutually beneficial exchange in value, and that's the key to doing. You know, getting in touch with these people and getting them to agree to say yes. Because once you find the right person, once you find you know who the pitch and you're pitching them, you want to make it a mutually beneficial exchange in value like any good partnership. So I played on the fact, you know, we didn't have an audience, but we had a magazine and we're going to put him on the front cover. And it was more than anything a favor. And he said, yes. And that favor um, was an amazing way to put the business on the map because we made that issue free. We plastered it everywhere and it allowed us to get more and more interviews. And over time we built up a reasonable size audience and, uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. That is so cool. What a great story. And I would imagine if you're like me, you leverage Richard's name and trying to secure other high-profile individuals. Am I right? <laughs> of course, man. I'm a marketer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and do you find that a lot of these high-profile people would rather do it over email or would they rather do it over voice? Because I know for me, it's easier for me to just talk than it is for me to type up an email. Yeah, most... 99% they're done over voice because yeah. we push for the podcast. It's easier to syndicate. Right. So this is something cool that you might find interesting. With that one interview, we can turn it into a podcast interview. 
We can turn it into a blog post. We can turn it into an email blast. We can turn it into Instagram quotes, and we can turn it into a magazine feature. And, uh, you know, that's five, six pieces of content uh, that just from one interview. And we ask, you know, we ask for 20 minutes, 15 minutes of their time um, if they're really time poor. And, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I think that's that's a we try and make it a no brainer. That is so cool. Well, you perfectly transitioned into my next question, which is how you use these interviews. You've said that you do lots with these interviews. So they show up on your podcast they get multi-purposed into the actual magazine. Beyond that, tell me, go, go through like systematically with how you can take this one interview and do all these other things. Like, let's expand on that a little bit. Yeah, sure thing. So, um, I do the interview, put it in my Dropbox. Um, I've got a Zapier plugin that email notifies someone in my team to allocate that interview on automation. It'll send an email out on automation as soon as it hits Dropbox. That's just a little trick. And, um, you know, Asiya from, from Canada in our team, she will allocate that interview to a writer and she will also work out where we're going to slot that in. We pre-work the, the covers. So we, we've got the covers. Hold on, let me out. pause you for a second. When you say that you route that to a writer, expand on what you mean by that. Do they actually do something more than just transcribing it or is there actually like a story that's somehow made around this interview? Yeah, there's a story, a feature story. So it goes, yeah, it goes to a CEO who manages <clears throat> all of our, all of the magazine content and the schedule and she allocates it to a writer to write a story, like an in-depth story, you know, 15, anywhere between a thousand or 2000 word story. And that will go as a magazine feature. Mm. Um, okay. Hold on a second. I want to, yeah. I want to dig on this because what's cool about what you're doing here is most people would just transcribe this and call it done. What you're doing when you allocate this to a writer is I'm assuming they're doing a little research on the person that was interviewed and they're writing more about the you know, the person, and then they're taking some quotes from the actual interview to build out the story. Is that correct? 100%. That is totally innovative. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> you you've like got that the, one. I love that. So you've got a feature rich story. You've got a podcast interview. Keep going. What else do you do with it? So then, um, from there we, we work out where that's going to go and then we can, you know, pull once we go live. So we, we, you might be interested around the, how we work out, you know, the schedule and, and yeah. how, like, cause we have to work at least six months in advance because with a lot of these hard to reach people, you have to be pitching. You can't get them tomorrow. You have to have interviews locked down two months from now. Um, so it's a lot of work, uh, but so we always make sure that we have the front covers booked at least six months in advance. So we've got all the way up until June, July booked in front covers and we're start, still pitching for the rest of the year right now. So usually by the time it hits January, Feb, all covers will be locked down for the rest of the year. Um, and what that allows us to do is that allows us to slot interviews in and stories that we're doing constantly producing for the podcast at the same time into nicely themed topics around the magazine issue. Very cool. And, you know, once we go live with the magazine feature, that's generally when we go live with the podcast. Sometimes we go live with the podcast first, depending on how the schedule's looking for the podcast, and it's a weekly podcast. And, um, you know, once we go live with the podcast, uh, we turn that into a blog post uh, where we pull, you know, um, now, hold content. on a minute. The, yeah, the, the blog post. So 
is the same writer that wrote the feature that's writing the blog post or is it someone different? No, someone different. So it's someone, we get one of our VAs to listen to the podcast to pull all the main points and then that VA gives it to our head of content, JC, who also listens to the podcast and writes the email copy because we blast it out to our email database and that's once a week. That's, you know, we always provide value constantly to our email database. And then, um, yeah, so he writes the copy for the email and then he also writes, you know, the blog post. And then, you know, they put the podcast interview but then also the story in the blog, which is totally different from what's in the magazine. Um, so, the blog post goes out, we turn it into a blog post, obviously a podcast, and then also from that we create we create quotes or features, feature, you know, pieces of content. And then from that, um, that's about as far and wide as it goes. But Okay, so let, wait, let's talk about hold on, let's talk about these quotes and featured content. What do you do with that? What is that exactly? Yeah, so we you know can create a quote. We can create you know any you know. Um, we you can mean a quote just, graphic? Is that what you mean? Yeah, by? Okay. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, quote graphic, and we can syndicate it for our social channels: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google Plus. And with that, that allows us to, uh, I guess, spread the word more. So, are you taking a quote from the interview or a series of quotes in multiple graphics with the intent? of just creating shareable content or are you also creating it to promote the actual blog post slash podcast slash feature story? Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we're using it to do both, uh, to, to promote the blog and podcast. We don't, with the feature story, to be honest, um, once we go live with the podcast, that's the main piece that we promote over the magazine feature. Uh, because we can only choose one, I guess, and we choose the podcast because it's easy for people to listen to as well. And then it's more the magazine front cover, if it's a front cover that we promote. Got it. So just in summary, from memory, you start with the interview. You actually create an entire feature article out of the interview. You also create a blog post out of the interview. You also create a podcast out of the interview. You also create quote graphics out of the interview. Am I forgetting anything? Nope. That's um, 100% everything, but we do have some more innovative stuff that we do do. Let's hear it. Well, like this book that we've just launched, man, it's mainly content that we've pulled from, from the magazine and the podcast. And the aha, blog. aha. Let's talk about that. So the book is called Founder, F-O-U-N-D-R, v one dot zero so um yeah talk to us so how do how are you able to put this book together and what's going on with that yeah so um it's pretty much a greatest hits album like you know tupac man he has his greatest hits everyone has their greatest hits uh for us you know i felt that it was time for us to produce a greatest hits album distilling you know all the best words of wisdom and and the uh, you know, really actionable stuff that people can learn wherever you are in your journey, whether it's around hiring, whether it's around raising capital, you know, ID validation, you name it. And uh, so it's a 250-page book, and we've, we're a digital media company, and we decided to produce a print product for fun and, and also because we get asked pretty much every day 
do you produce the magazine in print? Um, so this is a hybrid version, and we decided to go above and beyond just a, a soft copy uh, kind of you know soft copy book. Uh, we chose to do a hardcover uh, coffee table book that's die cut, extremely classy, and it'll be an amazing experience. And we even when went you say further. it's die cut, um, a lot of people that don't have a background in design might not know what that means. Want to talk about your die cut? What, what kind of a die cut are you doing? Yeah, sure thing. So on the front cover, we have faces of some of the entrepreneurs that are featured, and those faces are circles. And so what we've done is every single book that's produced, those circles will be cut out of the front cover. So it's kind of like, you know, those kids' books where you, yeah. you, know, you, you open it up? Yeah. So when you open it up, you'll see the faces on the first page on the right-hand side. But then when you close it, you'll still see the faces because the holes are cut. So on the front cover, you'll still see the faces. Um, it's just a little classy touch. It costs a lot more to produce, but I think it'll be worth it. Now, you're based in Australia. Is your audience global, predominantly in the United States? I mean, where is your audience? Yeah, mainly the States. So you're printing this book and distributing this print book, uh, presumably publishing it yourself. Are you doing that exclusively through Amazon or how are you doing that? Are you doing that yourself? So we're printing it in Canada. Uh, we're self-publishing and printing it ourselves. And to find out if it's something that people care about enough, we put it on Kickstarter, which has been a fascinating process. How is that going for you? Yeah, it's doing okay. We had a goal of 50 grand. We're at like 107 and we've got about eight days to go. And I think we should be able to get closer to 250 because we've got at least 30 or 40 on the way. So in That's verbal amazing, agreement. Dude. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's, it's been a, quite a successful project. Um, and it's been a real, yeah, just a lot of fun. Well, by the time this airs, your Kickstarter campaign will be over. So where will they be able to find the book once Kickstarter, your, your campaign is complete? Um, you can go to foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com forward slash book. And um, yeah, to answer your question, once once we complete the campaign, fulfill to all the backers in April, we'll put it on Amazon, we'll sell it on Shopify, we'll get it in bookstores. Um, you, you don't need a publisher to get it in bookstores. So yeah, we've got a whole distribution strategy. It's going to be really cool. Very cool. Very cool. And since this is called Founder 1.0, it implies you're going to be coming out with a 2.0. Is this going to be an annual thing for you? <laughs> yeah, probably not annual, but yeah, definitely. I think every couple of years, you know, I kind of got the idea from HBR. HBR do this exact same thing, Mike, where mm. they pull their content, they curate it, and they put it into print books. And their content is amazing. You know, I love their content. And yeah, they've got a bookstore now, you know, of all these different books. So yeah, for sure, you know, we can do that. You know, that's one way we can take the brand. There's so many different ways we can take it. All of this on the back of interviews. What do you want to say, Nathan, to someone listening right now that's um, thinking about starting, founding, if you will, their own business based on content and based on interviews, but they're just not sure whether the payoff is going to be there for them? What do you want to say to them right now? Um. A strategy that I thought about in the early days was the Oprah strategy. And the reason that Oprah became famous, like, yeah, she's an extremely amazing, talented entrepreneur and, and you know, nothing but love. But the strategy is that when she started her show, people started watching because of the people that she was interviewing. But as time went on, people started watching her show because they were interested more to find out what she had to say. Mm -hmm. And that's what you can do to build authority. I think, you know, building any brand, 
you need to have great ambassadors and you need to align yourself with influencers in whatever space or market or niche that you're serving. So doing interviews and having that mutually beneficial exchange in value is a great way to build authority and credibility and build a brand very, very quickly, whether it's a business brand or a personal brand, and align yourself with those influencers because that builds a tremendous amount of credibility and trust. And uh, that's what we've been able to do. So if you're ever thinking that, you know, it can't be done. It definitely can. I, you know, I had no connections. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I built this business just off an obsession and, and just a passion of, of, and love of the craft. And, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm just a regular person, you know, no smarter than me or you that are listening right now. Well, folks, here you have it. Nathan Chan started 26 years old out of Australia in a space that was extremely crowded entrepreneurship. And in a period of about four years, he's absolutely crushing it. So my encouraging word to you is to is to discover how you might be able to do this for yourself. Check out Nathan Chan and what he's built at Founder. Why don't you tell everyone where they can discover more about you, Nathan? Yeah, look, you can go to founder.com, F-O-U-N-D-R.com. And uh, yeah, love to hear from you. You can uh, email me at Nathan at foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com. Um, here to help however I can. Nathan Chan, thank you so much. I am so blessed to have you here on the show, and I know that you have inspired a lot of people, and I look forward to see what comes as a result of this interview. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. It's an absolute pleasure and honor, man. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's interview. If there was anything that we mentioned and you missed it, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 232 is where you want to go. Also, subscribe to this podcast. If you're not already done so, hit that button. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I will be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.